0: Hello, friends, and welcome back to the intro. This is your host, Matt Della AKA MDV, and I'm joined today on the show by Dr. Sean Pastouche. Dr. Sean is the founder of Active Life, and he's the author of the book, Turn Pro. Active Life is an organization that seeks to bridge the gap between fitness and healthcare through unique education for fitness professionals. Now, Dr. Sean and his team are on a mission to humanize the doctor, professionalize the coach, and empower the individual. And if you're a gym owner or you're a coach who's out there looking to step your game up or bring a new level of professionalism to what you do inside the gym, I highly suggest you check out the NC Fit Collective for what we are doing in terms of providing the world's best session plans and programming for functional training. We have four amazing programs that you can choose from. We have a GPP program, a strength and conditioning, a dumbbell only, and a competitors-based program. And for that GPP and strength and conditioning, you get full in depth session plans every single class. It's 365 days a year. So not only are your coaches going to go out there and deliver an amazing class in the moment, but they will also get ongoing professional development, which we know is extremely important to their success. So without further ado, grab a notebook, grab a chair, and let's learn a thing or two from Dr. Sean. Let's go all right and welcome back to the intro ladies and gents i am very excited today on the show dr sean pastuch dr sean is the former founder of crossfit island park he's is the current mastermind behind active life and active life professional Dr. Sean is somebody who in the space I look at as now being the quote unquote de facto voice of reason when it comes to professionalism in coaching. He's carrying a flag that I am also carrying. We want coaches out there to be pros. Dr. Sean, welcome to the intro.
1: Thanks, Matt. Happy to be here.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm really excited to chat with you. You know, I think that we have been talking on both sides of the professional equation for a while. I was on your podcast very recently, had a really great discussion with you about what being a pro means to me and a couple of things that go hand in hand with that and career coaching and all that stuff. And I'm really excited for you to share your opinions today. You are muted. Oh. There Technical we go. Sorry about that.
1: Sorry about that. Uh, I <laughs> this is your first pu- podcast? <laughs> I I pushed a mute button on the microphone so I could cough and not ruin your language. And I blew it. All right. So anyway, one of the things that I found uh, most interesting and inspiring from the show that we did together on the Active Live podcast was that I believe that what you're doing and what NC Fit is doing is valuable and necessary and not exactly what i'm doing or what we're doing which is also valuable and necessary and so often i see in the space that the dogma of this is the only way to do it this is the only way to do it this is the only way to do it and when we had our conversation we agreed on probably 98 percent of things and would disagree on like two Mm. and Too often, I think that people look at that 2% of things that they disagree on with somebody and say, I can't like that person.
0: Yeah. uh, You know, uh, I've been pretty vocal about fundamentalism in society in general, but also within fitness. Fundamentalism within fitness is fucking bonkers to me. The fact that somebody will come to the table here and go, This is the only way that you Mm -hmm. can do something in fitness. Like this this is the type of pull-up, this is the only type of pull-up that you're allowed to do. And this is the best type of pull-up that's ever existed. And I look at that and I go, are you fucking serious right now? Like, What, what planet did you come from that you think that this is the only way that you can do something? Yeah. Anyway, I'm excited to chat. Sean, how did you get here? Talk, talk to me a little bit about, you're sitting in a beautiful office. You got an Active Life logo behind you. You've developed this amazing system that hundreds if not thousands of coaches have gone through where did it all start
1: a few thousand coaches and i have half of an active life logo behind me because the person (laughs) who installed it didn't finish and i have no construction skills at all um
0: well you're a long island guy like me man
1: (laughs) yeah yeah find it find someone to do it so (laughs)
0: how, how did i get here yes
1: it was solving my own issues over and over and over again you know it's it's The intention was never for us to be where we are right now, which is educating gym owners on how to uh, leverage professional coaches, who we've taught to become professional coaches. The thought was always, I'm going to be a chiropractor and a gym owner. And that's what I'm going to do. And that's how it all started. And frankly, I was explaining to somebody yesterday who we actually just brought on as a, a new marketing junior director for us it all really started when hurricane sandy came up the east coast wiped up you know it was wiped out my house wiped out my gym wiped out my clinic and i was like i'm never again going to be tied to something that is weather dependent
0: Mm. what year was that was what year october 29
1: 2012
0: just for some context for people who are listening october 29 2012 Hurricane Sandy ripped through the South shore of long Island and a bunch of other places on the Eastern seaboard, but the South shore of long Island had been fairly insulated from hurricane damage for a long time. And Sandy Mm -hmm. destroyed towns and cities and businesses on the South shore of long Island.
1: Well, so what happened was the year before hurricane Irene came up the coast and that was like the, Oh, what is this? Like, all right, whatever. We'll deal with it. And some houses got a little bit flooded, but most of them were below grade houses. Yeah. And then the next year they're like this this other hurricane's coming up. It's called Sandy. And everyone was like, eh, whatever. Yeah, Fuck you. Forget about it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Fuck you. We've done this before. Um, and no. I had I had clients who were firefighters, EMS, all that kind of stuff. And they were sending me updates because we evacuated and sending me updates like everything is good. Went by the gym, it's good, went by the gym, it's good, went by the gym, it's good. And then I didn't get a text message for like nine hours. And I'm like, oh, that's not good. Yeah. So we ended up with almost seven feet of standing water, sewage, oil in both the gym, the clinic, and I had a plenty of water in my home as well. So in a flash, I was back to being unemployed, living with my wife and my dog in my parents' basement mm. for for almost a year.
0: Yeah. Being a successful gym owner and a chiropractor, and then all of a sudden gone. We were, we were gangbusters
1: in our location. I mean, we had a small location. We were about 2,700 square feet total for my clinic and for the gym to share. Yeah. The gym was just about full on members. We had won a lawsuit four days before hurricane Sandy,
0: the noise lawsuit.
1: Yeah. So if, if, if anybody wants a good read, uh, Google New York post muscle bound meatheads, and you'll find a slanderous article about myself and my then partner, Mike and our members where almost nothing in the article is true at all. It was all sensationalism and it all came out in the court case and we won on October 25th and we were pumped. We partied. And then October 29th. uh
0: -uh. Yeah. It all, it all went away in a flash. Um, I had visited your gym CrossFit Island park had dropped in for a, for a workout there. We actually talked about it on the active life podcast and it was a, it was a really great gym. The culture there was, was fantastic. I had a lot of fun when I dropped in. It was a, classic experience. The garage doors were open. The music was great. The energy was great. The t- coaching and teaching was great. I had fun.
1: Well, that was, that was where we moved after the storm. That was after. Yeah. That was after the storm because that location, wow. so that we had taken lease on that location about five months before the storm, we were carrying two rents. And when the storm came up, we hadn't opened that spot yet. We gotcha, were still gotcha. planning construction there. And you know, so when we, when we filed for flood insurance, like, did you get flooded in Sandy at the new location? We're like, no, cause we, we demoed anyway, Yeah, but we did, you know, we had, we had water there too.
0: Yeah.
1: And so, yeah, you came to location number two, location number one was a retail spot, uh, in the West end of Long Beach in between like the bars.
0: That's right. That, that was CrossFit King of the Beach, right? Was yes, that CrossFit right. King of the Beach? And then yep. CrossFit Island Park. Roger yep. that. I remember my New York CrossFit history. They yeah, do. Yeah. Well, after that, where did things lead you?
1: Yeah, so so I just decided that day that I wasn't going to be tied to a single location. So the, the next thing I did was said, let's let's start an event, you know, a CrossFit competition, non-sanctioned CrossFit competition. I throw the air quotes up, but, you know, CrossFit didn't put their blessing on it.
0: I remember and, this too.
1: Yeah, and <clears throat> excuse me, the, the events were, they were good. We weren't trying to compete with the Wadapalooza the Granite Games of the world. We didn't care if elite athletes came out. It was all about the everyday person competing at outstanding venues right on the beach, the ocean at your Beautiful. feet in Manhattan, in the 69th Regiment Armory in Washington, D.C., on the mall in front of the Capitol building. It was our venues were sick mm-hmm. and those events lost money every single year. Uh, <clears throat> and so to, to, to kind of get you to where we need to be um, in the clinic, I started having patients Fly out because they wanted to get the kind of treatment that we were providing and the kind of service that we were offering. And I was speaking a language that they understood. And that was in large part due to people like Chrissy May Cagney, <clears throat> Drew Canaveral, Michael Cashew, Brute Strength, Jared Stevens talking about us. And people started to fly out for appointments in the clinic. If somebody flies out for hands on appointment, they can't come back on Friday. Like they're gone. So we needed to come up with a way to help people get out of pain without going to the doctor's office and without missing the gym. So we started doing program design for people from around the world. And we had patients who were flying out from the first guy who flew out, came out from Nevada. And then eventually we had somebody flying from Finland. And I'm like, this is crazy. People legitimately need this. And we worked with um, about 10,000 people That's online. Awesome. Yeah. And then we started to see coaches say, Hey, ha- why is my client seeking your support from across the ocean? So we started educating coaches. Our first seminar, uh, well, our first, we knew we wanted to do a seminar that was real, but we didn't know how to do a seminar. So we ran like 14 different versions of crappy seminars and landed on a good one. Mm. When we landed on a good one, I promoted it on social media that we were, and I had like 3000 followers at the time that we were going to have a seminar for coaches and it was application only. Because my fear was, if nobody wants to come, I need to cover my ass and tell people, oh, you were the only ones we accepted. Yeah. Right? Which, <laughs> A which little would bit of an out. Which would have been true. Yeah. Which would have been true. <laughs> no people, matter if it's 10 people or 100. Yeah. Doesn't matter. So <laughs> I didn't really even have application criteria because I had no idea I, that people would apply. I went to bed that night, woke up the next day at 120 applications to come to our seminar. Wow. And we accepted 60 people basically, if I'm being honest, looking at their Instagram accounts, seeing who do I think can help us spread this methodology, this mindset, if they come and they talk about it. Hmm. Uh, 60 people came because we accepted 60. Everyone who we gave an invite to came except for one person. His name is Bobby Tran. He has since signed up for our other stuff down the line. Bobby. Bobby. uh, And they were from five different countries and 22 different states. And we were off. And then to make a long story short, which I have already failed to do, uh, coaches started taking that education, taking the next level of education with us and out earning the owners of the gyms they worked in. Mm. And then the owners of the gym said, what's going on here? How is my coach going from $500 a month to $8,000 a month in just five months? I want more coaches like that. And I want, I want to learn how to maximize it. So we started coaching gyms. Gotcha. And now- I'm talking to MDV.
0: (laughs) (laughs) At the end of the story got progressively faster. We started off with a long tale about Sandy and then we now talking to MDV. Um, The
1: other stuff is less interesting.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So the mission with the athlete focused uh, services was help athletes get out of pain. We have a specific mission that we want to employ here with the athletes, but what's the backbone of your coaching education or your coaching course? That's a good question.
1: The back one of our coaching course is that uh, fitness is in the shitter and, and the reputation that fitness has is uh, very surface level. It's very shallow. And whether that's true everywhere or not is irrelevant if it's what the public believes. Mm-hmm. If you throw a post on Facebook and say, I- I've done this, we believe that a fitness professional should be able to earn $50,000 a year Working 25 hours or less on the floor and 35 hours a week or less in total, 50 weeks a year, meaning they get two weeks paid vacation and $50,000. I mean, you can't live That's modest. on a coast. Yeah. So, I mean, you can, but it's not going to be comfortable. The hate that comes on those posts from people saying, like, yeah, right, personal trainer bullshit. Like, uh, Oh yeah. Come to the gym in sweatpants and, you know, cheer people on. And you're supposed to make $50,000. Cops don't make that where I live. Firefighters don't make that. Teachers don't make that. And I'm just like, man, people really don't value what's happening in the fitness space. So we started to look at what, what does fitness actually do and what is it perceived to actually do? And there's a massive gap where fitness leaves off and where healthcare begins that I think is actually more valuable than fitness or healthcare. On their own, and so that's
0: where we target people. Can I ask you a question about? Uh, I want to get to the gap between fitness and yeah. healthcare because yeah, yeah. I think that that's a really interesting conversation. But let me ask you about that fifty thousand dollars number. So I was having a conversation with another person on the podcast, and we were saying, hey, "What's the top end that you think somebody can earn salary wise from working in another person's gym, coaching classes, maybe doing a couple other things around the gym, but not going crazy above and beyond and taking mm-hmm. on these other major responsibilities and my estimation was about 45 to 55,000, depending on the area. I think, that's, d- I think on that's the generous. Issue. I, I tend to, yeah, I think that that's probably high-ish. I think the max that you're going to see in somebody who's crushing it, you know, you're talking like 500 members, maybe a couple of locations, some other shit that they do, they're able to overpay their coaches on the floor. The max you're going to see there is like 60, 65,000, like, above that i think you're in another stratosphere of reality i don't think that those positions exist
1: i think that you're in a different stratosphere of reality right now and i (laughs) I love it i love it by the way um you know here here here's the thing we have something that we teach the gyms who we work with and i I really i want to be careful to not turn this into just a plug for what we do sure so so I'm, i'm only saying that because it's it's how we come up with these numbers we I believe that if you want somebody to work for you full time, like I'm all in, I work for your gym forever. What that means is they're going to work for you for 30 years and then they're going to retire, which means during those 30 years, they're going to take the money that they're making. They're going to invest some of it.
0: Right. Build some wealth. Yeah.
1: They, we need them to do that or they, they can't see an end. So, The math is simple. I asked a bunch of financial advisors, what does somebody need to be paying for their cost of living in order for it to be an appropriate percent of their income? And the general rule is 25 to 30%. So what I say is if you want someone to work for you full-time, do a search of places to live that are within five miles of your business and five miles in Northern California and Long Island is very different than five miles in the middle of Iowa. Yeah. But, you know, find a place that you would be happy to live and look at what it costs to live there. If you want somebody to work for you full time, meaning that you are setting what they're doing each hour of the day, the cost of that place to live must cost less than 30% of what you pay them each month. So maybe that ends up being, $2,000 Two thousand dollars a month in some places in the country, and it works. And in other places in the country, it needs to be six, seven, eight. But that's that's how I feel like we need to think about what a professional needs to make to be full time.
0: Roger that. So minimum, yeah. minimum. By the way, yeah, um, yeah. I, I, I haven't ran those numbers. Uh, I can understand how you could look at that and extract some valuable data, and or make assumptions. I am solely going off of some of my gut feeling and some of my conversations that I've had over the years with people who have full-time positions in the coaching game, different parts of the country. I know what we pay at NC fit. And I know what we're able to do with uh, some of the other things that we have done with our business to pay our coaches, to be on the floor and to be with us full-time and and do so in a way that we feel is, is very fair. but I, I don't think that, you know, there's a lot of gym opportunities out there. If we're talking about the boutique fitness space, I don't think there's a lot of people out there who are presenting people with fifty or sixty thousand dollar per year salaries just to come in and coach classes. I agree. Um, yeah. And how how does active life look at that and go, we can solve an issue here? What what's the what is the what's the method that you guys employ?
1: Sometimes we can and sometimes we can't, Matt. Mm. You know, it's, it's, the truth is I look at fitness in two different uh, paradigms, fitness entertainment and fitness coaching and fitness entertainment is really, you know, someone who comes in for an hour a day to escape the other 23, to do something healthy in a general way. They have a general goal. They do a general thing and they may not even be able to describe to you exactly why they do it and how they know if it's working. Mm. Fitness coaching is a specific solution to a specific problem applied in a specific way. I don't believe fitness entertainment will ever pay as well as fitness coaching. So if you're a a gym and you're thinking like, well, how do I pay my coaches a full-time wage? Your coaches need to provide value that earns them a full-time wage. And the only way that the coaches can provide value that earns them a full-time wage is if the business model that you've built places value at the top mm. there's nothing wrong with owning a gym that doesn't i want to be clear about that there's there are people who need fitness entertainment i would consider something like zumba fitness entertainment frankly i consider most crossfit gyms zumba with a barbell people gonna be i'm going to get hate for that but <laughs> that's the truth it's, oh, well, well no, it's not. We have to coach. Well, you think Zumba coaches don't have to teach people how to do the moves? Mm. Well, we can modify and scale for anybody. You think Zumba doesn't modify and scale for everybody? It's just, we've chosen a different path and that's okay. But if, if you're just having people show up for group class and you're trying to keep a reasonable number of members to coach ratio, there isn't enough money unless you're charging a top, top, top dollar for your class to pay coaches a full-time wage.
0: Yeah. I think that this is, this is one of those things where I think that if we got down to the brass tacks of what we're, what you're saying here, I think ultimately we would come to an agreement about how you're phrasing this. I think some of the the language that you're using here, if I was not tuned into your greater message and what you're doing, I'd be like, ah, you know what fitness entertainment, this guy doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about because I've proved that wrong. But I, I don't think that that is the majority case. I I do think that there are a lot of CrossFit functional training gyms out there that are solely running group classes with 15 to 20 people, one coach on the floor, maybe less people than that coming into class. And that coach is being paid a wage uh, essentially to manage and run that class. And, And whether or not the standards of that class are high or low, the product that they're providing, they can only get paid a certain amount of money because it's, it's almost like a, a com- commodity. Uh,
1: so, yeah, I got you. So, so here's the thing. Businesses, what, what, what people who don't own businesses often aren't taught is the first and most important employee to pay in the business is the business. Because if the business itself doesn't continue oh, to exist, sure. nobody right, else the business. Does. right. So, you know, there, there are costs to running the business. And you want to be able to hire and keep staff for a long time. And you can coach phenomenal group class. It's just really difficult to make a career coaching phenomenal group class yes. in somebody else's gym for a long period of time. Yes, because and, and you're right, people will find the exception. They'll be like, no, 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 no you don't understand. Sally, James, Jim, Marcus, they all came to my class and they all had specific goals and they all hit those specific goals. So Sean, you're wrong. This isn't fitness entertainment. This is fitness coaching, even though we do it in the entertaining way that you just described. And I would say, yeah, there are exceptions to every rule and congratulations to you for hitting those goals with those people. How many people like them came into your gym and didn't hit those goals? Hmm. And, And the answer might be, I don't know. And that's okay. The answer might be none, and that would be ignorant. The answer might be many, and that would obviate the point.
0: Mm. Yeah. I, I think that, you know, in, in any, hmm, let, me, let me be careful how I phrase this. I think when we're talking <laughs> about this experience, you will have a certain amount of people that enter into that type of program and wash out of the program, either because of, Lack of time, lack of attention, lack of reaching whatever specific goal they might have come in with. Uh, I, but I don't think that's unique to just the type of fitness that we do. And I also, I also don't necessarily. We kind of talked a little bit about this on your show. I don't necessarily think that. I'm just going to call it fitness entertainment. I don't agree with that label, but the way that we're having this conversation, that's what we're calling it. Mm-hmm. I don't think that that's wrong. I think that. There's a market out there for people who want to come in and take group class and have that type of coaching experience. And you can do it at a high level. Do I think that everybody out there who does it at a high level is going to end up being able to do it forever at that high level? No.
1: So Matt, if everybody did fitness the way that I wanted people to do fitness, fitness would be worse as an industry. And and I'm saying that because I I agree with you wholeheartedly, a hundred percent. They're the best program in the world is the one that somebody will continue to do.
0: Yeah, the one that works
1: for them. So, and so, so I would imagine that the way that I like to teach coaches and gym owners to do their job, there are less people who are prepared to step into that space and be serviced that way. And so if the only way that we service people is the way that we at Active Life teach people to do it, less people would get serviced and that would be unacceptable. Yeah. There is an audience for whom what you're doing at NC Fit, and I'm not disparaging at all. I, if it's coming across that way, that's I'm doing a poor job. Um, there's an audience of people for whom what you do is the absolute best thing in the world for them. And what, what we would teach a gym to do would be the wrong thing for them. And churn is going to exist in your business model, in our business model, in a one-on-one business model, in all business models. Yeah churn is going to exist i believe that the the number one thing that people get wrong that i think would be the best way to clear it all up i think that if there was an active life franchise which there isn't right now if there was an active life franchise immediately next door to an nc fit they would both thrive because of each other people would walk into the active life gym and say this is what i'm looking for and the person sitting there would say Question number one for themselves, can I help this person? Question number two, do I want to help this person? And if the answer to either of those questions is no, they send every one of those prospects next door to NC Fit for whom it would be a fit. And NC Fit would do the same thing. Somebody comes in and has a problem that they don't don't specialize in solving, we're going to send them to active life. And as soon as fitness professionals adopt an abundance mindset and recognize that our way isn't better than your way, your way isn't better than our way, we're not better. Neither of us are better than Zumba and Zumba's is not better than orange theory. Yeah. Well, okay. Now we can start to understand who should be in each.
0: Yeah. There's no shortage of people in the world who are looking to have their lives improved through fitness, depending on what that version or what that method of fitness is. Now, let me ask you a question because a lot of the, the gyms and the coaches that you guys work with at Active Life are of the archetype of an NC fit style type of gym. You're working with CrossFit affiliates and functional training gyms. And mm-hmm. how, how do you take the methodology that you guys have? And then you go, all right, well, this guy runs eight classes a day. I have a coach over here that coaches four of those classes per day. How do I take the skills that we are teaching at active life and infuse them into that system without disrupting it? How, how do I add value without disruption?
1: That's a great question. It, it starts so it starts with offering something to the people who you already have, who you haven't offered something to. What so, is that
0: that you're offering? Because I want to be really clear. What's the offer?
1: It depends. So hmm. assessment,
0: hmm.
1: right? Assessment, um, skill sessions, one-on-one training, a, a potentially a different level of class experience. So I can go through all of them if you want. But the, the idea is, a lot of a lot of gym owners are afraid to change anything and coaches are afraid to change anything i when i bought my business partner out from my gym i didn't like the culture that we had i didn't like the direction that we were heading in and so i took the entire gym to the park over the weekend and hired painters to repaint the whole place while everyone was gone change the logo change the name all of that over a weekend I don't recommend people do that. It wasn't the smartest thing in the world.
0: NCFit um, kind of did something like that when we transitioned from NORCAL CrossFit to NC Fit, but we can talk about that another time.
1: Yeah, but 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 what I'm describing there is that's not how you need to do it. What we teach people to do is look around your gym and ask yourself, can you name five people who joined for a reason that they are not closer to getting? Okay. Do you believe that you can provide those people that outcome if they would work with you one-on-one? Like if if money wasn't an object and they were happy to work with you one-on-one, could you help them get to that goal or closer to it faster than they're doing it in group? If the answer is yes, offer that to them. It's that simple. Hey, Matt, I remember when you signed up for the gym, you told me that your shoulder was bothering you a little bit and you thought that getting stronger would make it better. That was like three months ago. Is your shoulder doing any better? No, not really. Okay. And then go into the conversation with them about, would an assessment be something you would like? If the assessment proves that working together one-on-one would be a good idea, we could fix the problem. Would you want to do the one-on-one? Yeah, great. That's it. Mm. That's step one. What? Nothing disrupts your membership. Mm. Everything is normal. Everything is every day for every member, if that's all you do.
0: Yeah, That's a really uh, smart way to ask that question, too, because it's not solely reliant on any sort of uh, muscular skeletal type of issue that this person might have had when they come on in. You know, this this can be something where they go, hey, I wanted to lose 10 pounds. Hey, I wanted to feel better. I wanted to be able Mm to, you know, go through a workout without taking a break and putting my hands on my knees for five minutes.
1: It could be, I just wanted a consistent, healthy habit. Yes. And you're like, hey, you said you wanted a consistent, healthy habit. I looked at the, the attendance and you're, you're coming in one to two times a week. Is that what you were looking for? Or were you looking for something a little bit more consistent than that? I was looking, for, I, you know, I thought I wanted to come three to four days a week. Okay. Has that changed? Or are you struggling to figure out how you can get in three to four times a week? Now I'm, I'm kind of struggling to figure it out. If I made some time, would you like to sit down? We can look through your schedule and figure out what the best way for you to get the other workouts in, whether they're here or at home. Yeah, that'd be great. Awesome. Let's do that. Mm. So like, you're not asking people for anything. You're offering people something that you didn't previously offer. And if them working with you one-on-one or through a program design or in a small group ends up being a better solution for them than the big group that you offer as your core offering what's the harm in in having that? And I can see harm, by the way, for people who are higher level um, business model minded. But if you're not an orange theory, if you're not a fit body bootcamp, where it's like, we just need a low skilled coach to cheer people on, then you have people in your gym who probably want to be able to help people in a deeper, more meaningful way than they're able to Mm -hmm. when the way that they do it breaks down.
0: Yeah. No, I, so like I had said previously getting into this conversation. I I bet when we get down to the brass tacks, we're going to agree. And Mm -hmm. as you go through all that, I go, yeah, of course, this makes complete sense. These are the things that I I did through my coaching career when I was looking at somebody who I saw was struggling through group classes or who I wasn't reaching the goal that they had said, or I had remembered that they had told me something. I'm going to go have that conversation and see what's up. There are some coaches out there that know how to have that conversation and recognize that issue and, and, and follow that path. What in your experience, when people are coming to you, when coaches come to you and they go, I need help. Where are they in that spectrum of understanding how to manage that conversation? Do they, are they completely lost or are they going, well, I recognize it, but I, I just don't know how to go from A to B.
1: Yeah. I think most most coaches have an association with a sales conversation that it's sleazy or it's pushy yes and and they don't want and they don't want to have it and i think that, that that's true if you go into the sales conversation thinking about the money that you would make if the person buys and so what we talk about a lot is <clears throat> the cost of think stop thinking about how much money you make if this person buys from you and start thinking about their cost of inaction if they don't buy from you So what does it mean for the person if they end up not being a client of yours? If you're approaching somebody because they wanted to come to the gym more consistently, let's just use that example, and they're not coming. Well, why did they want to come to the gym more consistently? What's wrong in their life that coming to the gym more consistently fixes? If you don't work with them one-on-one and help them design a schedule and hold them accountable to that schedule, what does their life look like without the consistency that they signed up for? Is it a big deal? Is it not a big deal? Well, the bigger the deal, I think the harder you push, the smaller, the deal, <clears throat> if it's not a priority to them, it doesn't need to be a priority for you. Mm. So sales is one of the things that I think, um, is most valuable for coaches to learn. And it's one of the things that we spend the most time teaching because as soon as sales begins to feel like an act of service, instead of an act of ask it, it, it happens naturally.
0: Mm. Yeah, this is this is a really um, great conversation for anybody out there who's coach or a gym owner, even an athlete, uh, to better understand you know the the real true value of what a coach who is focused on a particular goal or particular issue that that athlete has, and and going to work with that person in a meaningful way. The the value there. I want to ask you a question about value and value proposition because I know that. I've, I've heard a lot of coaches struggle with this. Let's say you have a, a cost of your service either laid out or in mind. And then you're talking to somebody who there's not an immediate dollar value on the issue that this person is having, right? So let's say the person is looking at your service and they go, well, it costs X. And on the other side of the equation, that person's going, "Well, you know, I can continue to live with this shoulder pain and I don't have to like I don't have to pay X dollars an hour to work with you. How how do you advise coaches to go about describing or talking to somebody about a cost that doesn't necessarily have an immediate dollar value associated with it?"
1: Can we back up a step? Sure, back up. The the number one rule that we have for sales <clears throat> is only sell to people who are in the market for what you have and always sell to people who are in the market for what you have. So what does it mean to be in the market? It means that the person you're describing has to believe that their shoulder pain is a problem that they want solved. If they don't believe that their shoulder pain is a problem that they want solved, and now you, you would be unethical to try to sell them or, or, or,
0: waste of time you'd
1: you'd be wasting time and perhaps misunderstanding their priorities and projecting yours onto them and that's not unethical it's noble it's just it can lead to frustration and so we have six questions that we teach coaches to ask the first question is how long you know is that a problem is that true once they qualify that yeah i am dealing with this issue question number two is how long have you been dealing with it for when they tell you how long they've been dealing with it for because if it's like i just woke up this morning it was weird well, that person is not going to spend thousands of dollars on something that they woke up this morning and was weird on, right? Like tomorrow it's going to be gone. So <clears throat> know who you're talking to. Question number three is, what have you tried to fix it? If they haven't tried anything, maybe they don't think it's important. If they've tried a bunch of things, okay. Question number four is, why do you think those things haven't worked? Let them acknowledge that these things didn't work and this is why I think that they didn't work. Question number five is, is it a priority for you to fix this? Or is it a whenever it happens, it happens kind of thing? If somebody tells you, now nah, whenever it happens, it happens. Stop the sale. Stop the sale. They don't have urgency. If they say, no, it's definitely a priority, then question number six is, if I made time, would you like to get together to see if working together one-on-one would be a fix? You know, or I didn't do that last one so well, but, you know, if I would sense. you... Yeah. And it's like, you have six chances to find out that this person is not a client.
0: Yeah. You have six, six opportunities to pull that ripcord and go, this is not the right time. In your own head. You could say that in yeah. your own head. Yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. And, and, and they have six chances to tell you no.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And none of them are threatening.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, and the way that one of our staff members, uh, Larry Geyer, talks to our clients about it is, you should look at everyone you're looking to sign up as. I have room for one more person one more person, is this the one who should take that spot? And if it's not, they need to convince you otherwise. And if it is, then you need to ensure that they fill that spot.
0: Mm. You had told a story when you came on, when I came on your show about an athlete who had reached out to you. And I I believe that you went through a version of those six questions with the athlete. And then she came to the conclusion at the time that I, I think she said that she didn't have, didn't I have to talk to my husband about the amount of money that this is going to cost. And then there was a gap Mm -hmm. and then she reached out again and your costs had gone.
1: Oh yeah. Well, well, so, so she reached out uh, and the cost was like 200 bucks a month. It's like, all right, I got to talk to my husband. Never came back. Six months later, she came back and told me that she had gotten surgery and that the doctors told her she needed another surgery and wanted to know if we could help her. And I said, "Uh, unfortunately now we can't. You know, it would be inappropriate for me to take you as a client. And she cried. I cried. I felt like I let this person down six months ago because I didn't close the deal. And we could have saved her the surgery. So she got the surgery. And a year later, she was on my schedule again.
0: Hmm.
1: Or not a year later, excuse me. Maybe it was a year later, whatever it was. I don't want to mess up the timeline. But And she's like, I got surgery number two. And the doctors told me I might need surgery number three, potentially number four. And a replacement. Can you help me? I'm like, Jesus Christ. Like this this woman is in a bad way. And I don't know if we can help her. Mm-hmm. And I was honest with her about it. And to make a long story short, ended up telling her she needs to buy a year up front if we were even going to try. Because I don't want her quitting after a month because it wasn't working right away. And she said she had to go talk to her husband again. And I said, no, I'm not letting you off the phone.
0: Hey, I like yeah, she I,
1: she bought. She's been she's she bought. She's been out of pain for two and a half years now, and she's been with us for three years.
0: There's a there's a number of lessons that uh, I you can take away from that story. One of the lessons that I like about that story is the fact that, and you beat I you beat you beat yourself up a little bit about the a lot, uh, the con- a lot. Yeah, you did because you, you you got emotional about it when I was on your show. But let's pretend that the issue wasn't as dire let's pretend the consequences that surgery wasn't on the table with this person if a coach is having that conversation with the person they get to the end there and this woman or person goes you know I got to talk to my husband about it there's an awesome opportunity there for coaches to exercise some awareness and good judgment say I appreciate that go and have the conversation and I'll be here when you want to come on back and talk to me about whether or not this is a good fit for you and whether or not that person comes back, if it's a priority for them, and if this is an issue that's going to be pressing for them and continue to be something that's bothersome, at some point, they will, they will come back or, or not. Maybe. But yeah, so, it's a good opportunity.
1: So there, there's, a, there's a few things there. And if it's okay with you, I'll tell you a story that is less dire than the other one that will, that will shine some light. But first, first, if somebody tells you they need to go talk to their significant other, you've already messed up it means that you didn't pre-frame appropriately Hmm. that, that you want to be able to talk to the significant other with them if they're included in buying decisions. And, and what that means, you know, there's a lot of um, misconception that like a significant other has to be there. They don't, if they're not included in making decisions with money, then they don't have to be there. But what I will tell somebody is before we have this meeting, um, When you're making decisions about your health that include money, because if we decide to work together, let's be real, it's going to cost money.
0: Hmm.
1: Do you run those decisions by anybody else? Husband, wife, sister, brother, partner, whoever? Yeah, I do. I run all that kind of stuff by my husband. Great. I think it would be really valuable for your husband to be there. And I'll tell you why. If you have questions for me, that I give you an answer to that your husband's going to need to hear the same answer to it's unlikely that you're going to be able to go home and repeat the answer that I gave to your 20 questions. Is it possible for your husband to come or to be on the phone while we're in the meeting?
0: Yes. That, that is a very good way of handling that.
1: That, well, that, that's how, that's how we do it. Yeah. Um, And if they're like, no, I don't need to ask anybody else. Great. So that means if we decide that, that we agree that we should work together, you don't need to ask anybody or go home and talk to anybody. Yes. Great. I'll see you on Wednesday at three. Now I'll tell you a different story. That's um, much more, much less dire and equally impactful. Please. I have a guy, I was at the cockiest part of my career. <laughs> and cause I had patients, I had, these patients are flying in, right. I thought I was big shit. And I didn't want to do personal training because a patient who was flying in was paying me almost $400 an hour and a personal training session, I was only selling for like 120. So this guy says, I, I want, I want to buy a personal training from you. I'm like, I really like, um, okay. If you want to buy personal training, my rule is you have to buy 12 as a minimum. And they're 120 a pop. So it's going to be 1,440 bucks. Cool. And he's like, yeah. And in the moment I'm like, shit. Okay, fine. Like I, I didn't, you know, outwardly say that, but I just signed him up. I didn't qualify him. I didn't ask him any questions. I was irresponsible with the way I signed this guy up. I was young. I was brash, dumb. Anyway, he pays $1,440. Um, he comes in for his first session. And I'm like, all right, so you know, what do you want to do? And the first session is free, by the way, it's just an assessment. It's a, let's go through, you know, what are your goals? What are you, where are you at? I want to learn how to climb a rope. I'm like, okay, what else you got? He's like, that's it. Just want to learn how to climb a rope. And this is during his free session, mind you, his assessment, his <clears throat> like, okay. Um, I feel like I did the wrong thing here. He's like, why? And I'm like, if that's all you want, we probably won't need 12 sessions. Like, well, let's find out. So we go into the gym. Four minutes later, I'm like, okay, are you sure there's nothing else you want to do? (laughs) This guy had gone up and down a 15 foot rope like four times already. He's like, no, that was it. I'm like, well, what do you want to do with the rest of the time today? Like, would you like to do more stuff today? And he's like, no, I'm, I'm good. I was like, okay, well, I'm gonna refund you, wow. because this was this was inappropriate of me, and I apologize. And he's like, no shot. I said, what are you talking about? He said, look, you're young, and I, I appreciate that you haven't been around that long. He's like, I didn't pay fourteen hundred and forty dollars to spend twelve hours with you. I paid fourteen hundred and forty dollars to learn how to climb a rope. Because learning how to climb a rope was worth $1,440 to me. And I'm like, can I ask you why? Why was it so important? He says, yeah, my son is getting older now. And one of the things that I always enjoy doing with my friends is Spartan races.
0: Mm.
1: Now that my son is older, he comes. He doesn't do them, but he's there at the end. And I don't know how to climb a rope. So every time we do a Spartan race, we get to the ropes And I do 30 burpees and my friends climb the rope and they go on. And at the end of the race, we sit in the parking lot, we have a beer or two, whatever. And they make fun of me for not being able to climb a rope. And my son is getting old enough that if he hears them making fun of me, I'll look like less of a superhero to him. And I can't have that. So I stopped doing Spartan races. And he's like, and, and my son asks me why we don't go anymore. And I make up excuses. And so I just paid $1,440 to be a superhero to my son and to continue building friendships with my friends. I don't care how long that took. And I was like, oh man, like I I got choked up when Mm. he told me that. And I realized this guy was buying an outcome, not the time. And I said, we're gonna do all 12 sessions. And we're going to make sure that you can climb a rope when your hands are wet, when you're tired, when you've done a bunch of hanging already. And we just conditioned him to do things like, hang, I want you to hang on the pull-up bar for 30 seconds, climb the rope, right? Go put your hands in a bucket, wet them, hang on the pull-up bar, climb a rope. We, we did all kinds of stuff to make sure that when he went to that race, no matter what the situation was, he was getting up and down that fucking rope. And, and that was an extremely valuable lesson for me.
0: He probably would have paid $14,000 to climb. He, that might, have. he yeah. might have. He might have. He might have. I like by that, the way, I, I like that story I, a lot.
1: It, it, it was impactful one. There's, there's a few pivotal stories in my career that that shaped all my thought for people who are listening. I want to make sure that I'm clear here. There's, there's probably some thought going on. Sean's in New York, Matt's in California or NC fits in California. That's where this money. Nobody's going to pay that here. And I promise you, we, we work with people, and I'm sure you know coaches, and you have collective gyms who are all over the map in terms of what the income is, where they are. If the solution that you provide solves a meaningful problem, and you are able to navigate the conversation, people will pay for it.
0: I think that that's a, that's a really strong takeaway for people out there to, to really internalize to really deeply think about, because I know that there's a lot of, people have a lot of guilt sometimes about what you just described, about I only helped this person do X, or it wasn't as taxing for me as I thought it would have been to accomplish Y. Mm-hmm. And what those people, if you're doing this, if you're having the conversations that you're saying coaches should have coming into these sessions and you're understanding the value of that outcome that this person is looking to achieve, you know, that you're, you're probably giving them the, biggest, the best deal of their life in a lot of ways. Uh, you know, that story you're talking about with the, the gentleman who climbed the rope in the Spartan Race is a great example.
1: Yeah, and, and here's the thing. I think when I describe fitness entertainment and fitness coaching, there are, because people call themselves coach, they take it as a fitness entertainment a bad thing. And it's not. There are people who are participating in fitness entertainment who want to get coached sometimes. And they want to get entertained the rest of the time, doing something healthy. I go to concerts. I go to comedy shows. I listen to podcasts. That's entertainment. So what I'm speaking to here is you can be a coach who provides phenomenal entertainment in a group environment. If you want to have a career, you need to provide high level coaching too. And, 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 and by, and by the way, for the gym owners who are listening, I believe that the coaching of the class that somebody does is their, their barrier to entry for the right to sell the higher level coaching to the members who are in that gym. Meaning they need to coach those classes to earn the trust of the members, the trust of ownership and the coaching acumen to be able to take the clients and work with them one-on-one as well.
0: Mm. I agree, I agree. Like I said, when we get down to the brass tacks, I think we're on the same page about a lot of things. I think the nomenclature that you use to describe the two types of experiences I don't necessarily agree with. I would never call what I do or what I did on the floor entertainment coaching. It was a big part of what I did. It was a big part of what made my classes so great and what made me successful in the personal training arena when I was doing those things. It was a highly entertaining experience. People wanted to be around me. I'm not saying that to be a shithead. It's just the truth. Mm -hmm. I kind of look at those as being like more dynamic, maybe like a dynamic coaching, and this is just semantics. Dynamic yeah, coaching yeah. and specialized coaching, and then, you know, in, in the mix here, I think when you're out there and you're describing what Active Life does, I I definitely understand how people go. I see what he means by entertainment coaching. For me, well, so I would call it something different. But
1: I, and, and and part of the reason that I don't call it something different is because I want people to. I know continue listening. Now I had a conversation recently with a woman and she runs what's called the women in fitness association. And I had her on the podcast because I want to hear about why women need advocacy and fitness. Mm. Okay. Um, long story short, it was, a, it, it was a very good conversation. The one thing that I, what was her really, name?
0: Uh, oh, sorry. Je- I put you on the no,
1: spot. no, it was, it was, I think it was Jen Rainwater. I think okay. it was Jennifer. I, I don't remember her first name. I Her last name was Rainwater. Okay. But, um, she, one of the things that she talked about that I pressed her on was that women get paid less to do fitness than men. I said, I don't think that's true. She said, well, it is because women are more prone to coach group and men are more prone to do one-on-one and group gets paid less than one-on-one. And I said, I think you need to rethink how you're suggesting what the problem is. I don't think group is as valuable as one-on-one. So I would never pay somebody as much money to run a group as I would pay somebody to coach one-on-one. I don't care what their genitalia look like or how they identify. I'm paying for the value of the job. The question that should be asked is, why are women choosing to do group or why are women pushed to do group? And I don't have the answer to that. But the reason why I'm bringing that up, Matt, is because I think that if you're the best group instructor in the world, it will always be less valuable than you being the best one-on-one instructor in the world to the client.
0: You could make that argument. I think you can
1: make any I, argument. Yeah, of course. <laughs> of
0: course, of um, course. No, I, I'm very interested. I, I agree with what you're saying in terms of value of the service offered at a mm-hmm. uh, at a base level. When you're talking about the value of a group class, uh, what am I going to compensate the most talented trainer on my team to go out there and coach a group class? versus what am I going to compensate the most talented trainer on my team to go out there and run a one-on-one session? Obviously, they are going to make more money on the mm-hmm. one-on-one side of the equation. For sure, 100%. The thing that I don't necessarily – I don't know where that woman had got her information. I have to listen to the podcast. But I don't know how you get that data on more women are pushed to run group classes versus more women are, are in – Private one-on-one trainings. That 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 would be something I would need data to to make that. I a- told her,
1: I told her the same thing. I don't I don't have the answer to that, and I didn't push her on on giving me that because I didn't want it to come across as though I was bullying her because mm. I wasn't. I just wanted to get the point across that um for for her situation that it was, I'm not sure if that's a male female thing or if that's a group one-on-one thing, and if it's a male female thing. Okay, why are why are women then doing the thing that's less valuable? That was yeah. that was the only that was the conversation point.
0: Yeah. in in all of my years in in doing this, I have never seen a compensation disparity between men and women in our specific type of fitness to coach group classes or to coach one-on-one training. I have never, I have never seen somebody who's come to me and said, I'm a, I'm a female and I make less than my male counterpart to coach the same type of class. And I have the same level of education and my classes are the same, uh, level of, uh, entertainment value or whatever you want to call it. I, I, I think, I, I I think, um, this would be a good topic for the three of us
1: to discuss, to bring her in. The reason I'm saying <laughs> that is because, uh, you and I may lack the perspective, the information, the data, the whatever, and, and, and the secondary, like, no, you're not going to see it. They're just not going to hire the, I don't know. You know yeah, I mean?
0: I'm, I'm purely talking about my own, Anecdotal right. experience, my experience in the space. I, I have not seen it.
1: Right. right. And I, I told her the same. And I said, but that doesn't mean it doesn't exist.
0: For sure. For sure. Yeah. Well, Dr. Sean, it's been an hour. That hour flew by. I really appreciate the conversation that we had on your podcast. I appreciate this conversation on the intro here. I want to have you back on in the future We discuss more of these things. I think you're an incredibly smart and accomplished individual. You've done a lot of great things, not only with active life, uh, but you know, a lot of great things across the entire space and influencing the space, whether or not you're influencing it through active life or just the message getting out there. Where can people find out more about you and what you do at active life?
1: At Dr. Sean Pestridge on Instagram. If they follow me on Instagram, they'll see everything else that I have is linked
0: right there. Very good. Very good. Any last words?
1: I'll give you some last words, really, really simple ones. Um, If you're trying to do a great job every day as a coach, as a gym owner, as a whoever, then what somebody else believes a great job looks like doesn't fucking matter. If your intent is, is proper, it doesn't matter if I wouldn't do it the way that you would do it. If Matt doesn't do it the way that you would do it, we need more people with the appropriate intent. That's it.
0: I love that. I think that's a great way to close out this podcast. Dr. Sean, thanks for being on. Thanks for your time. I'll talk to you soon. Hello, friends. MDV here. Thank you for listening to the Intro with MDV podcast. And if you enjoyed today's show, please subscribe for weekly downloads wherever you listen to your podcast. Remember, we have a new episode coming to you every Tuesday. And if you have time and five stars to spare, please leave me a rating and review on iTunes. If you're looking for more out of me, MDV, you can find me on Instagram at MDV underscore FIT. Until next time, friends, let's go.